0: Welcome back to the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast, episode number 58. I'm your host, Brian Eastridge. Welcome to the podcast, part of the concealedcarry.com podcast network. Try to spice that one up every week the off-duty, on-duty podcast. We take ta- uh, topics relevant to today's gun owners and we tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and on-duty law enforcement officers to give you both angles of discussion. Today, it is my distinct honor to bring on Lauren Mischke. And I think, I think this may be the first podcast he's ever been on. So this is really exciting for me. And we're going to talk high powers and art because uh springfield just released a high power and everybody was like dude you gotta do something about it so i thought i uh i found out he's quite the enthusiast so high powers and artwork but first a message from today's sponsors title sponsor of the podcast xs sights at xssights.com check them out night sights scope mounts everything you can surmise to uh, upgrade your handgun sighting system elite survival gear new uh new show sponsor Products for your EDC needs since 1979. Don't just survive, thrive at elitesurvival.com. Check out their SBR gear bags. And I just got their range bag. It's really cool, the loadout bag. And uh, we'll be making a trip to the range with that this week. Uh, As always, CCWSafe.com. If you want 10% off your membership, sign up today. Enter code OffDuty10 at checkout. The most comprehensive coverage by the most experienced team. And as always, EDC Belt Company, honorary sponsor of every podcast because, uh, you know, I kind of, it's kind of the company I work for, right? Work with and kind of own. So there you go, EDCBeltCo.com. As always, the links are in the show notes. And let's bring in our guest. Welcome on to your first podcast, Lauren Michke. Um, I've been a fan of your uh, interpretive, I would call it interpretive art for quite some time. <laughs> um, as a matter of fact, I've actually, I bought a couple of pieces of it um, for like friends of mine that are kind of like star Wars buffs or like Neo Western kind of, yeah. you know, cause it's, it's, it's almost got like a humorous like tone with some really good uh, mashups of uh like, Cult uh, pop culture i guess
1: yeah well I, I appreciate you letting me hop on here this is a uh, kind of a different different thing for me I'm, I'm pretty reclusive so uh getting to getting to chat <laughs> it's always always good
0: well, well you drew the lucky card because i pitched it on social media today springfield armory today the 25th of uh october has a, launched a new high power, a, a, a P-35. I think they're calling it the SA-35 for Springfield Armory 35. Um, and that is one gun that I am pretty like ignorant on. And Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you were the first guy to pipe up and say, well, I could talk about a high power. So I was like, yeah. well,
1: why not? I can talk about guns all day. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. at least ones that I know. Of. I don't know anything about a lot of different types of guns, but ones that I'm fairly confident i can talk about um we can we can definitely chat about it
0: well i have owned a walloping total of two high powers in my life and they were both as you educated me in the pre-show they were both mark threes so they're fns and um i owned them total for a like i bought it I put it on a table at a gun show, and somebody offered me some inordinate amount of money for it, and I let it like they never even came out of the box I was like, oh, okay, I want a high power, and then boom gone, yeah so it what and you were telling me that was your first high power, so talk about it
1: yeah i um i I bought one a new in box mark three from f n well it was a browning, but browning imported them i suppose from f n but um in the u s but um I had gotten the a Mark three. It was new in box. It was, I remember going to this, this gun shop that's closed down now in the town I used to live in. And I would go in there as a college student and look at all the guns and I couldn't afford any of them. And there's always, there was these like these two high powers in there that were new. There was one with the nice blued with the wood grips. And then there was the other Mark three that was like the black epoxy finish with the plastic black grips. And I was like, Oh, which one would I want to get? And then, I managed to like, get the money somehow for one, and I bought the the one with the black plastic grips and the the military version, quote unquote, right of the the Mark III high power. It was my first one. Um,
0: so what was it? A nine millimeter, I presume. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah it was a, uh, it was a, it was a different because I had I had messed around with nineteen elevens, you know. I mean, I was kind of that was really early on when I was kind of getting into guns, and I was like. 22 ish, probably 23, maybe that's a
0: bold move for like 22 to buy a Browning high or, you know, buy a high power. That's a,
1: <laughs> yeah, I had some, yeah, I was, I was definitely into the, the classics when I first started
0: nice you know,
1: the guns. So I didn't buy a Glock until, well, I, I bought a Glock. I think that same year probably, but <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: yeah. Hey, I, I need some more student loan money and then Glock. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. The, uh, but either way, the, uh, the high power for me is just always kind of been this, um, launch pad for things that happened afterwards. So I've been aware of them and my dad had a a pretty good slew of them for a while. And then the prices went, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. like nuclear on them. So, um, (laughs) they got dispensed with rapidly as I recall. Um, Mm -hmm. but the magazine design was something that really fascinated me because it was the launch pad for the CZ-75, the Beretta 92, the Sig P226. That Browning P35 mag stack uh, was like the starting point for almost Sorry. every double stack pistol, you know, up until, geez, pro- probably the mid 80s. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think it was only, I think there might have been a double stack pistol mag that predates it slightly. I think it was like a, I can't remember. It was like a 32 ACP pistol, like a Savage, I think is what it was. But I think it was a double double column one too, so it doesn't really count, I guess. But I might be wrong about that. But but, but just <laughs> but that. You're right. You're right. I mean, yeah. it's
0: That design was kind of where, you know, you, you saw everybody else going, okay, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. They already did it. Um, and still to this day, it's like, you know, I, I buy a Beretta 92 and I go, Hmm. And you can, you can trace the roots of this mag back, you know, 70 years or 80 years. So it's, it's a pretty fascinating deal. And, you know, for all my Beretta 92 fans out there, um, that, the bread of 92 is the, you know, the Walther P 38 and the Browning P 35 had a baby. And <laughs> <laughs> seriously, it's like, they went, yeah, we'll take the top from this one and the bottom from that one. Um, and yeah, just about, yeah. Uh, there's actually a picture on my social media page of that. Well, so, and you said you've owned several since then, I guess, right?
1: Yeah. That one didn't last too long. Unfortunately, like I said, it was, I was pretty much broke all the time back then. So it ended up having to, having to go i shot it a a little bit though and it was um i didn't it was funny it was one of those guns that you know when you pick up and people it's funny when people talk about guns and shooting and how great a gun feels in your hand and then like like this feels perfect and then you go to shoot it and it's like oh this hammer just cut my hand open like (laughs) this this slide just is like eating my hand up so i had issues ergonomically with it and also I, i wasn't really into shooting back then as much as I am now so it was kind of a it was kind of like that but I did own I owned a, a really beat up FEG high power which is a Hungarian high power clone uh, that was after it was a few years after that and um, shot that a good bit
0: that's interesting because you're already see your depth of knowledge on the high power has already eclipsed mine. Uh, substantially just by, when you said FEG, I was like, is that Austrian? What is that?
1: Yeah. Um, It's it's the Hungarian. Yeah.
0: Um, Parkerized, I assume. Like.
1: No, it was a commercial model, I think, because it was blued and it was, it was really, uh, it was in rough shape when I got it, but um, I think it was a, uh, a commercial import, I think. Um, But it was, and it was more of a, a mark two type high power or mark one mark one and mark two i always get a little a little confused the mark twos i think were a little i think that's specifically an an an, um an fn thing um but uh, i don't know how many countries cloned the mark two but um yeah that the whole the whole thing with the the fn and the licensing and the cloning i mean that's all geez like (laughs) when you delve into it 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 gets confusing
0: yeah i'd have to i'd have to get some guy like bill lockridge on to uh demystify that and um which speaking of high powers uh, cylinder my old buddy bill lockridge at cylinder and slide um i had i had the chance my my dad actually owned a pathfinder for a while which was kind of a uh his take on the Austin ba- Austin Baylor sea camp and all them where they would actually cut a full size high power down mm, and yeah. make it yeah. like Glock 19 size and cut the mags down. And I mean, there was all kinds of voodoo science that went into those things, but he made about the best looking yeah. version of it. Um, and I, th- it seems like the last probably 10 or 15 years that had kind of, you know, Nighthawk did some like custom incarnations on them and yeah. some builders will still work on them. But, uh, but I, I just remember those specifically and they were, they were, uh, they were very, um, expensive. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. cause a, a lot of handwork and, and they come from, like you said, that era of classics, like the 1911 that requires a lot of, uh, detailed handwork. And, uh, you know, I've done well, a f- fair amount of that, but
1: yeah, and I think it's not—it's a design that's not quite as like. I mean, there's definitely been some custom-built, you know, guys out there that have done some pretty, pretty nice work to them, but you know, it's kind of like things like, um, like checkering the front strap of a high power apparently is a big no-no because it's so thin, so you can't really checker them as w- as well, I guess. Um, yeah.
0: That in certain the- models, they uh, they actually stamped the serial number onto the front strap. So mm-hmm. yeah. y- you mm-hmm. saw a lot more. It was a lot more prevalent to see them uh, stippled and mm-hmm. uh, or textured, you know. And for a for a period, and I think those Mark Threes, there were some people out there that could do checkering on them.
1: But um, yeah, I'm sure somebody probably did. But yeah, it's just it's stuff like that. And what I was I mentioned before. Uh, we started talking was the, the the website that I used to to read up on was um, Stephen, a camps uh, high power and handguns, uh, his website. Um, he's I think passed on now, but um, I used to, I used to read all kinds of articles cause he was big into the high power. Um, I'm sure high power people listening would probably recognize that name, but
0: uh, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I've, haven't really been in the high power rabbit hole for any length of time. And, and, but, uh, so that begs the question, uh, are you going to, uh, be one of the early purchasers of the Springfield sa 35? Cause I, I put one on order today.
1: (laughs) I'm probably, uh, I'm probably going to end up with one, uh, potentially sooner rather than later. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that works out. But, uh, um it's one of those guns that like I the last one I had was actually recently and okay. it was an older one. It was from like the 70s. So it was like a an older Browning high power and it was in really good shape. And I had gotten it. Um and uh I had just moved, so I <laughs> ended up having to having to get rid of it, but um for moving expenses, unfortunately. But um but man, it's one of those guns that's like especially now that they're they well when FN stopped making them, it's like, you know, you want to get one and like do stuff to it, but then you don't want to get a classic one and mess it, you know, and modify it. You want to, it's, it's that constant, like with classic guns like that, it's like, Oh man, I'd love to have this cut for better sights and stuff like that. But then part of you is like, oh, don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. Yeah.
0: I had, we had uh, my dad's gun shop and the high power people out here, will cringe to hear this, but uh, he got an old custom from uh, Austin Baylor. It was a Baylor custom from probably the 60s or 70s that he had um, silver soldered like a finger groove on and textured and stippled and hard chromed. And it was a Nazi stamped artillery high power. Oh, geez. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the gun in like 75% condition probably would have been three grand, but okay. in, you know, in the sixties, that was just, Oh, it was just an old, you know? Yeah. It's probably. But then again, I come from the era where I remember like a one and pre a one 1911s being less than a thousand bucks, you know? Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and people used to chop those things to pieces and it was like, you know, they didn't really think anything of it. I think in the era and, you know, I, goes hand in hand with smith and wesson revolvers or you know Mm -hmm. the classic revolvers and stuff like that i mean people really didn't think twice about it in that era but um but yeah that's i'm that's one of the reasons i'm kind of fascinated with this whole springfield concept at the i think they're in msrps like 699
1: uh that that had me worried when i first saw that (laughs) yeah i was like uh that's like that's a lot less than I was expecting. I mean, I was, you know, I was, I was thinking of a couple hundred bucks more than that for MSRP, but
0: yeah. And I mean, <laughs> especially for a made in the U S gun, yeah. like that's, well, that's forged, like really? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's got my well, attention. Like the, that's like the, um, the Turkish high powers that were coming in for a short period of time, a few years ago, they, you know, they were in that price range and that's from Turkey. And I mean, you know they're they're generally you know turkish guns you know especially the newer stuff that's coming in from like gearson and stuff like that if you've seen the prices of them they're pretty low so i mean yeah the fact that springfields making a new a usa made high power and it's pretty close to those prices is pretty impressive yeah well and and i i'll tell a
0: story i was at uh, i was at shot show in 2018 and i was Setting in on this business meeting for, you know, a company and there was a board of advisors and it was like Ken Hackathorn and several guys. And Hack- sure. Hackathorn walks in with his, you know, his like typical, like irreverent swagger is the only way I can d- describe it. You know, like <laughs> it's like watching Obi-Wan walk into a room or something and you go, Oh, wow, hey, that's Ken. And, and that's he's got, yeah, that's the guy. And, um, <laughs> You know, I would have been, I, I would have felt the same if like Jeff Cooper had walked in the room and I'm like, oh, wow. Uh, oh yeah. But, uh, Ken's standing around and they're like, well, did you see anything interesting at the show? And he said, well, they're going to stop making the high power. And they asked me about it. And I said, well, it's about time. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just, he kind of had this whole, well, you really haven't done much with it in like 30 years. Like move on. Yeah. And, uh, it just kind of, everybody kind of went, what? Oh yeah. They discontinued them. Sure enough. All right. Moving on. But just to hear Ken say it, well, it's about time was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, at that time, new ones, I think were like 1200 bucks and, you know, you're roughly, yeah. Yeah. Unless you're just like looking at it for the nostalgia part. Um, you know, I kind of understood what he was getting at, like with the whole, Hey, this, this gun's kind of been a bit flat, so to speak, as far as, you know, sales and innovation and everything else. And, uh, mm. you know, the, the newer ones don't look like the older ones and they're, you know, it's kind of, uh, mm. why bother with it anymore, you know? And, and, uh, then here we are fast forward three years and we've got an American based company doing an American manufactured gun. That's, I was that. Uh, is within the reach of your average gun guy consumer so that's that's really yeah. impressive to me or intriguing
1: oh yeah I, I, I've seen so much excitement for it today it's it's uh, it's fun because it's like it's you know not every not every gun has to be a, a you know tricked out glock that's set up for if you know, efficient use you know I mean every you know not everything has to fall in that realm and I mean there's always going to be a place for classic, you know, firearms for nostalgia or for just learning. I mean, cause you know, geez, there's tons of the tons of guns like that, like the single action only type semi-autos out there. And I mean, you know, not every gun has to follow a certain line, you know, and
0: yeah,
1: it's nice to see new ones made just for, just for that. And for people like me who I, I love, you know, just speaking to the way Springfield has kind of approached it, and they they've done it really tastefully. Like it's really impressive that they didn't like go overboard with it. You know, I mean, I'm sure they might yeah. eventually, but um, you know, just, just simple things like the roll mark, how they, they just kept like the roll mark on the slide, you know, with their name, like nice and subtle, you know, that's it's like, right. good job. Good job. Yeah. It, <laughs> it,
0: it definitely wasn't a big flex on the side of the gun. It was just like, Oh, Hey, yeah. that looks like a high power should, um,
1: yeah, yeah, you it, know, nice flat black finish, nice set of sights that the originals didn't have, and that's a good improvement, obviously. And you know, a, a supposedly a hammer that doesn't bite, which we'll see about all that. But <laughs> <laughs> well, and I
0: always liked the look of the uh, the classic models when they had that like Commander Rowell hammer as opposed to the spur hammer, and the few that I've shot, I appreciated the Rowell hammer. It was, um, I won't say that it was completely bite free, but it certainly didn't take any of you with it. (laughs) So
1: yeah, my, my FEG my FEG clone had a spur, had a rounded hammer on it. And it was, um, it, it was a little bit on the painful side. If I gripped a little bit too high, it was, it was definitely uh, not super awesome.
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah. um, Well, that, that begs the next question is, uh, Are you working on a, uh, like a neo-Western mashup with the Browning high power for the uh, drawn fire page? (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah. I haven't drawn a high power in a while. Actually it's, it's been a minute um, which is a shame because it's such a, it's such a wonderfully aesthetic gun to draw. I mean, it's just, it's like the 1911. I mean, it's got those beautiful art deco lines and uh, just that, that real like less is more look to it. Mm -hmm. John Browning was so good at, you know, with his design cues and really John Browning and Colt and all the designers. It was, it was a lot of, a lot of that was uh, uh, with the 1911, but um, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely going to, I think, inspire some, some, uh, some future, some future art projects. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, and nothing works yet. Okay. I'm I'm currently like struggling through getting a ton of commission stuff done.
0: Oh, wow. Well, Um, that's a great problem to have.
1: Oh yeah. It's, it's great. My problem is I, I took a bunch on this summer and then I moved and moving took, I bought a house and it was just an absolute nightmare. So (laughs) trying to buy a house. Yeah. uh, but um, I'm getting caught up. And that, that, so it's a lot of the stuff I'm working on right now is not cool stuff like what's behind you. It's, uh, it's uh, personal stuff for customers and things like that. So,
0: well, I don't, I don't run these out on YouTube. Uh, you know, I just use this video uh, Zoom link to uh, record the audio because the audio is pretty high quality. But over my left shoulder, for those of you that have seen me do a Facebook Live in a while, is one of Lauren's prints. Um, more, more stopping power than you can possibly imagine with uh, Obi Wan Kenobi in a nineteen eleven. And I, when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, I need that in my life and my office right now." So,
1: um, yeah the the original version of that that um, went around. It, I feel like it went around the internet like like an STD. It was, uh, mm-hmm. it was just everywhere. <laughs> well. Uh,
0: well, and, and one of our, uh, one of our buddies, Mike green, uh, from green ops, yeah. he, uh, yeah. he put on the, uh, the Obi-Wan robe and I think posed for, uh, a picture that was a, uh, kind of an homage to that, uh, that print. Yeah. So, I've,
1: yeah. I've seen him on Facebook with that. And that's always, it always cracks me up when I scroll down and see it.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so, So what, uh, I gotta know, I gotta, I gotta peer, peer behind the curtain. What, uh, what inspires you to do those pieces? Is it the, is it the the gun or is it the character or?
1: Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fat nerd, so (laughs) let's just, let's just be real. Um, yeah, I, um, oh man, that's, that's, that's a whole there's a whole rabbit hole going down, going down that. I don't, I don't know if we have enough time for it, but um, it, a lot of, a lot of the the gun aspect of um, my art. Um, it started when I was in college and I was, you know, the idea of like melding things together, like that are seemingly, you know, uh, unrelated, Yeah, <laughs> related, incompatible or, Um, things that, especially back then, it was a lot of like, people thought this stuff was scary, you know, when I was in school (laughs) and it was just like, and I would try to make work that like turned it into like my entire senior art show was a bunch of drawings of girls holding guns that I, you know, it was just like literally my, (laughs) and they were kind of outraged by it to be honest, but, uh if you could imagine kind of a liberal arts college,
0: um, right. You
1: know. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, some, some, some people thought it was humorous, but, uh, uh, yeah, I was, uh, there's a, there's a whole, uh, yeah, I, I wish I had sort of thought of a better way to start explaining it, but, um, uh, it, well, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I,
0: I'm fast. I gotta admit, I'm fascinated with it. I'm scrolling through your, uh, Drawing fire art Instagram page right now, and I'm seeing, you know, Harry Callahan with a Mosin. And uh, I'm like, you know, that was for a
1: customer. oh,
0: wow, <laughs> a
1: customer actually commissioned that one. So, yeah,
0: oh, interesting. Because yeah. that, uh,
1: I was confused when he asked me, don't get me wrong. I was, <laughs> I was like, you sure that's what you want? Like,
0: <laughs> like that borders on sacrilegious, pal. Like, uh, no, no, but, uh,
1: the worst revolver ever made like you like really yeah
0: he, he, um well that and then uh my other ones have been the Bob Ross and Mr. Rogers uh, incarnations I, like <laughs> I I showed my girlfriend uh you know Bob Roski uh with his with his AK and um uh, <laughs> she was mildly disturbed I believe but at the same time very impressed with uh, the detail
1: well, and the disturbance that you sense uh in the force uh, is no, I'm just kidding. Uh that's part of the fun really. It's like take especially with like Mr. Rogers. I mean, the the most peaceful and Bob Ross too for that matter. Like the most peacenik like even though Bob Ross was in the military for like 20 years or something like that. Yeah. With, you know, before he started his show, but it was just like you know, that that whole juxtaposition of of the seemingly peaceful kind of image that we all have of those characters those people, um, with what are essentially tools of violence. (laughs) I mean,
0: you know, yeah, the, uh,
1: it's kind of just a funny, I I think it's funny. I mean, I just, I draw, I, I draw stuff that I just kind of enjoy. I mean, when I'm not doing commission stuff for other people, which I enjoy doing, but, it's a different level of enjoyment, obviously when you get to make your own thing, but um,
0: yeah, especially Josie Wales with a Roland special that's, or <laughs> that's, <laughs> I mean, there's just something to that. And, and uh, you know, Mr. Rogers in his uh, like OG one Oh sevens or whatever. It's like, man, <laughs> that's if I was going to buy modern art, which I guess I, when I say I was, I have, um, I, I can really appreciate the pop culture aspect from, you know, that bridges generations like the Dirty Harry character and Steve Carell, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Willy Wonka, things like that. It's just it, it, it adds a depth to it that's somewhat uh, unexpected, I guess. And mm. uh, so... So I think this has been a good uh a good chat for your first ever podcast and I'll apologize in advance because I have a feeling Lee Weems will probably call you and uh a couple of other guys in the you know instructor slash like turbo nerd industry of podcasters and uh you know, wanna wanna talk to you. So I I'm really appreciate that you uh you you, you volunteered to come on mine first. So, so where can, yeah, was, was Oh, go ahead.
1: A, oh, sorry. I was just saying, it was kind of a, when you, when you made that post, I was, I was like, it's like, man, I could totally talk about the high power. Like, <laughs> but then I was like, Oh wait, I don't know how to, I don't know how to podcast. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh it's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty fun.
0: Well, where can people find you? I, I kind of plugged the Instagram Drawn fire art and, uh, is there, do you have a website or is there a web store? Or? Uh,
1: just, I just do everything on Etsy for the most part. It's, um, uh, just, I've got, um, a link to it in my, my Instagram, uh, my little homepage on Instagram or whatever. And it's just, uh, drawn fire art. If you want to search for it on Etsy, um, same on Facebook, just drawn fire art by Lauren Mitchke, I think is on Facebook, but, uh, yeah, it seems like Instagram gets a lot more people like more people seem to pay attention on Instagram, which is weird. But, but yeah, you can. And, uh, you know, I do custom work for folks. And right now I'm a little backed up. Thanks for coming on the show, Lauren. And
0: uh, hopefully maybe we'll catch you at a training class down the road or a, uh, I don't know, an art show or something. And uh, <laughs> hopefully, uh, you know, get to you know, hit the gun range and then uh nerd out on some uh modern art. Man, thanks to my guest. Thanks again, Lauren Mischke. Uh if you haven't checked out his art or do so. Uh I just found out he did the uh the Pat Rogers memorial uh when we were offline talking. He did the Pat Rogers memorial picture that's like iconic. Um so, with that being said, if you haven't already. Reminder, check out our sponsor. XS Sites. Elite Survival. CCW Safe. Get 10% off your membership with Off-Duty Tenant Checkout. And EDC Belt Co. Uh, little birdie tells me that Carry Trainer might have a discount code out there. Thanks, Mick. So, uh, yeah, go check that out. If you haven't, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, we're on all of them. The Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC. presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions. Follow all firearms safety rules. Consult with a competent firearms instructor and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.